Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews written, presented by IV Creative. Perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. Appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today, of course, yours truly is B. Cox. And with me, I have the crew comprised of these fine gentlemen. Here surrounding me today, to my left, we have my boy, Cousin Damo. To my right, we have my boy, D.T. Dave. And right in front of me, we have my boy, J.O., Jay here in the building with us. Pleased to have all you gentlemen join me once again as we chop it up over the classics. And we have a good one today and a very momentous and a highlight for this album that we are about to go over today. As always, we take you back in time. And today we go back to 1994 on the corner of St. James and Fulton <laughs> <laughs> in Brooklyn to bring you this classic. The Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. Frank White, <laughs> a.k.a. The King of New York, his debut album, Ready to Die. We bring you this album, of course, Ready to Die, released almost 25, exactly 25 years ago, September 13th, 1994, recorded at a number of different places, the Hit Factory and, of course, D&D Studios in New York City, runtime of 69 minutes and five seconds on Bad Boy Records. The iconic Bad Boy Records, and this was their uh, hallmark album of their coming out as a label was Biggie's album. Executive producers, you know them, you know them well. They called him Puffy back then. They call him Diddy now, Sean Combs. Uh, different also producers, exo- associate executive producers, DJ Mr. C, who pretty much is the reason why the world may know about Notorious B.I.G. and Biggie in the first place. DJ Premier, Easy Moby, Rashad Smith, Lord Finesse, Chucky Thompson, one of Puffy's hitmen, as they were known later on that day. A number of the different producers that were a part of this classic album. You know, we talk a lot of times, guys, and we talked about this. We covered one of these albums earlier in one of our offerings in our schedule. That there are albums that come out that are great, and then there are albums that change the genre. And to me, I think this is one of those albums. I think this definitely changed the genre then and is still changing it and changed it forever and the impact that it had on a number of different on it on the industry as itself itself and then also the people that came afterwards that looked up to this album and the rappers that sort of patterned their style after biggie and listening to this album and looking at of course ready to die as it come out its 25th anniversary a lot of different things of course to discuss we named some of the producers that were there, DJ Premier, Easy Mo B, um, guys that, of course, that are uh, that were the greatest producers in their time at that particular time. Uh, but we look at in 1994. Of course, we discussed this during Outcast. This came out during the same year when Outcast and other albums such as Illmatic, other things that we will review later on in our schedule uh, when it came out. But we'll go ahead and go to first reactions. And we all I know how uh, at least some very interesting reactions when we listen so uh, this is an album I can actually say that we know that what's your first reaction and lasting reaction were. So I'll go ahead and I'll actually start with Damo this time around. 
and when you first listened to the album, what your first reaction was to it, and then listening to it to it now, leading up to this review, what your lasting reaction was. So this is '94. Uh, let's look. I had to listen to this one. I snuck and got it because you know my mama was going them strict parents, so she she didn't even know I had the tape mm-hmm. of this. Tape, <laughs> <laughs> the tape. Hey, I burnt this tape up too back then. Yeah, <laughs> real yeah. low in the quiet in my basement, but I burnt it up. I really didn't know back then. I loved it. I still, lo- I still, I listened to it before we even talked to put it on the list. I just listened to it. It's still relevant to me. I love this album fire yeah then and now yeah jay your, your first reaction when you first listened to it and your last reaction and leading up to a review of this album right right so basically back then like just turned 13 even though like i said before it was into my g-funk and everything like that but then the east coast came with this and you know what i'm saying like Dom said, out of my tape rocks on my tape pops so you know what i mean like it was just through and through fire you know what i mean like production wise biggie's lyrics i mean the concept i mean it was just no fellas. Yeah, no. Well, there is one, and I will say a little bit later, but. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with that. I okay. Think I do too. Okay. All right. So just, fair, I mean, I just want to put that out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, not to go against the grain for yeah. anyone else. Mm-hmm. Through th- I mean, it's still a classic, but there is one track on the album I could have done without. So, but yeah, through, yeah, I would still say it's a classic, you know, from back then and now. So, yeah. Indeed. Dave, your first reaction when you first were, was able to, when you first listened to the album. And then your last reaction to going up to the review of this album after listening to it recently. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the first time I heard this album was about three hours ago. Straight through. Oh, straight through. Straight through. Oh. oh. So I wow. But really? Bruh, yeah. Seriously. Wow. So I gained an appreciation for it. I really, like, really sitting down listening to the lyrics. I see what this brother was going through. I, re- I respect this album. And he was I going through a lot. He was going through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he was going through a lot. Um, so it was a lot of elements to this album. And, um, yeah, I was 12 when this joint came out. I think it was September 13th. You and I were starting at Tasker by that time. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, I was 12. So my mom wasn't having this. So. <laughs> <laughs> my mom wasn't having that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, gained, I gained an appreciation for the album. So for me... When I first listened to this, I got my hands on this tape probably somewhere around January of 95. It was one of the first tapes that I actually bought with my own money. And I wore it out my Walkman because I loved listening to it. Um, even before I knew what concepts to be able to listen to it, there were things about it that I loved. The fact that the beats were innovative, they were catchy. And then Biggie's voice was just like a voice you had never he- you never heard before. And then the lyrics themselves, I mean, there are tons and tons and tons of quotables on this album. We can go through that later as far as some of the t- some of the uh, um, the quotables that are on this album. There are tons of them that a lot of people even shoot used in their lyrics and requoted Biggie and writing their own lyrics even later. But like Dave said, Biggie was going through a lot. I was watching a documentary on this. Um, they, the anniversary for this was exactly a week ago at the time of this rec- the recording of this podcast. And they interviewed many different people that you heard in the liner notes, people such as Diddy, people such as Mr. C, uh, Easy Mo B. And uh, Easy, I think, I think it was Easy Mo B who, when he heard the line that Biggie said, you know, fuck the world, fuck the moms, fuck my moms and my girl. You know, when he said they're ready to die. And, and they're just like, yo, man, yo, did you just, he said to Biggie, like, yo, did you just say fuck your moms on this joint? 
and he said uh, he said that Easy Mo B said that Biggie said to him like yo man it's it's a figure of speech he's like yo you got to understand I'm going through a lot right now like my mom's got cancer you know she got cancer in her breast and that's which is another lyric he used yeah, he did. and things done changed he was like you know I don't I don't been out here on these streets I just came home from doing the bed I got a daughter I got to feed and the, you know things are mad stressful right now so this was to me what really stuck out to me was the raw energy that he had like literally when you talk about it, you can tell that rappers are hungry right mm-hmm. when they when they put out an album and uh, their debut albums for a lot of rappers you can tell the hunger you could tell that he was hungry he was starving on this album and it came out in the lyrics that he spit and the energy that he brought forth on this album so my lasting reaction is the fact that i could listen to this now and I could play this going down the street, and it's still hard. Like, it's still hard. I mean, this is something that you could play now and be like, you know, you won't feel like a Bama riding down the street listening to this. <laughs> you know? Like, you won't. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, th- that's my lasting reaction. You it's still hear it sometimes. Somebody will pull up with you with this joint on. Yeah, exactly. Just to talk about some of the things that are present in the album, you know, everybody talks about Biggie, of course, is the classic rags to riches story. I mean, he went from ashy to classy real quick. It was the come up. It was the fact that he had a bigger plan for his life than what the system may have had a plan for him, thinking that he was probably just destined to be a uh, in and out of jail, possibly even dead by a certain age, and um, which he unfortunately he was but mm-hmm. not by the manner i think many of us thought but it, it was the hustle it was about the struggle that he was going through and the fact that he wanted to get away from that as soon as possible that he was willing to do anything it possibly could to get him and his family out of that situation and that's what it came across more than anything else just to speak about the cultural impact that's present in this album this really like you said g-funk was very prevalent from the right. very early 90s this album, along with J. Rue's Sunrises in the East and Illmatic, to me, I would think really is what led New York on its way back Definitely. on the comeback the trail. Absolutely. You the know, and um, that's what I think the biggest cultural impact more so than anything else is that you had a little bit of it with Rue in the 36 and 36 Chambers. But I think this sort of just kicked like literally to quote one of Biggie's latest tracks, kicked the door in to be like, all right, we back. you know what I'm saying like we back should play times over so that I think is one of the biggest things to me as far as when it comes to cultural impact if anybody else wants to talk about as far as what the impact culturally this album had I I think it just ended up getting with two hungry people because Diddy was hungry to prove himself too yeah because he finally got up under from uptown yeah Yeah, so he was ready to prove himself that he can be out here as a, a major creator in person to deal with out here. Even though he stole a lot of the shit he had. Stole a lot of samples. Well, yeah, but that that's, I mean. Let's, let's be let's, let's be clear. Uh, he, he snatched a lot of stuff that he didn't have permission for. But hey. to his credit, he made some bangers with what he had, though. Right. So, well, yeah, you know, the, the, the Diddy's talent is being able to find talented people to be able to make things happen. And, and, write, and writing checks. Like and writing say. checks. You know? <laughs> When and he, that's when he wants yeah. <laughs> and writing checks, and and so uh, to me, I think that's <laughs> important to note the the place that this was coming from. That bad boy wasn't even a thing. And even they said during the documentary that the first couple of songs they recorded for Ready to Die, they recorded it was on Uptown. You know, that's mm-hmm. when Biggie was supposed to have been in Uptown, and then as 
you know, was stated, as we all famously know, Andre, you know, there can't be two kings of the jungle, you know? So Andre, Andre uh, threw Diddy out on his ass, and then Diddy went and got a check from Clive Davis and Arista and said, all right, I'm starting my own thing. Yeah, I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. We're gonna rock. We're gonna rock with this. And so you got two hungry people together because Diddy was was about his hustle and wanted to make his money and show the world that he could do it, not being in Andre Harrell's shadow. So when you put that th- those two together, you have the perfect combination of a businessman and an executive producer and an artist who has all the tools around him in production to make the perfect storm sort of happen. But of course. Review of our songs and high points. So there's a lot of highlights on this album, but just, uh, you know, like I said, your major highlights from this album, listening to it, and um, we'll go through, of course, around the table. Dave, I'll start with you. Your highlights and the song that you listen to, um, listening to it. It's a lot of them. Yeah. It's a lot of them. Um, I'm going to give you three. Um, my favorite was Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Pink, <man. laughs> Primo, every that that intro is just like, dun, 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 dun. like man, it's classic. Just uh, can't go wrong with that man. Everyday struggle, yeah. From some of the things that I'm dealing with, like everyday struggle, really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. And the what with meth, yeah. The world don't ask me for shit. Yeah, everything you get, you got to work, work hard, hard for Ooh, it. Baby, shit, yeah, shit, don't stop. Yeah, those are my three favorites. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I could have done, and Machine Gun Funk was dope too. Yeah. Um, I like Gimme the Loot. Um, I didn't necessarily like Warning, mm. and that interlude with Lil' Kim could have definitely been skipped over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to hear Lil' Kim and Biggie getting it on like that. <laughs> and the bad thing about it was I looked at the producer that joined, and they said it was Diddy was the one that produced it. I'm like, nah, don't. Makes sense though. Yeah, I, 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 get, I get it. <laughs> I get it, but it to me, you know, I kind of like that's kind of like a blip on like what I actually consider to be a uh, flawless album. Uh, me and my bitch was dope too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Jay, your your highlights. Okay, and, um, you know, like my man says, it's, like, it's a lot of highlights. So, mm-hmm. in no particular order, of course, I gotta say, give me the loot. Just like the energy of that joint and the fact like Biggie flipped his voice to sound like two different people. That yes. just like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and, and the fact that. I thought there was two different people on see, that that's album like, That's too. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's like it, both of them, him, it's just like he put his other voice in like a higher octave, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like a double person. And then the fact, just, I guess the thing that got me because, yeah, like it was said before my man Brian, like that Diddy broke away to do his own thing. But the fact that it was stuff on that song that was so explicit, they still had to like, like edited out on the unedited version. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I wouldn't give a fuck if you pregnant, which is what he said. Yeah, what he Bitch said. to strangle for the earrings and bangles. That's what yeah, he said. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just the fact he got it got it got that raw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, along with that, I mean, of course, you know the Raider from the James like juicy, and then like um, the James with Diana King respect. Mm, like, yeah. Respect to all the gun man them. Yeah. You. Yeah. Like that James. Like and. It, I don't know if you ever listened like on a system. That bass drops hard as hell. It does. Yeah. It like does. Young. Absolutely, it does. And um, as a, yeah, and as a matter of fact, that sample for respect is "I Get Lifted" by Casey and the Sunshine Sunshine Band. That uh, where that sample comes from. Okay, yeah, I got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it sure is. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Of course, I like unbelievable, and like I said before, being like a fan of like you know story story type of um, rhymes, suicidal thoughts. Just the fact it was just so dark and like, and that's another thing people don't really realize. Big is a great storyteller, absolutely. Yes. And the fact like you know he just started a journey out. Like you really can envision him on the phone with Diddy. Like mm-hmm. I'm about to end this, and like 
you know, going to, going through this, going through that. And, like, did he, did he, like, trying to rush the beat by his man's side. He's like, you know what? I'm sick of talking. Yeah. Boom, like, and there's other ones I can go to. But those are the ones I can name off the top. Okay, and on the subject of what I could have done without on the album. It wasn't, it, honestly, it wasn't even a skit for real. For it, was, it was a song, Friend of Mine. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, like, and I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without mm. it, like not even so much like lyrically, but just that that beat just honestly it, it annoys me for some yeah. reason. I don't, like that festive early nineties yeah. type of shit. Like um, yeah, <laughs> some Smith and Wesson used it too. I'm like, man, I could I really could have left this on like the cutting room floor. Like, yeah, it just wasn't necessary to me. But other than that, like, yeah, I could, I could listen to this album through and through. I mean, skits and all, even though okay, yeah, I didn't necessarily need to hear like. Biggie, you know what I'm saying, crushing Lil' Kim, you know what I'm saying, or the giant, even before, even before, um, friend of mine, but dude, well, I'm, not dude, I'm, the chick or something, yeah, slobbing him down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm like, bro, you putting it all out there. You want to know the funny thing about that skit is that was actually him in the, actually him in the studio getting head. Like, Diddy, con- Diddy confirmed it. Like, in 2012, there was some sort of, there were, they were looking back at Ready to Die, and, and there was a magazine on one of these websites was actually, interviewing Diddy and Diddy said like yo man so like in the studio before friend of mine is that actually was he actually getting this man in that joint and they was just like yeah he said Diddy bought one of one of his homegirls in there she went in there with Peggy was like yo let's do this so sure enough they went in the studio and recorded it and he was actually that wasn't no Nah, that was actually her doing that thing. Wasn't a skit. It was actually them. No, it was a skit, but she actually was. Yes, yeah, so I mean, giving like, him yeah. some. Yeah, like I, I, I thought it was like maybe they just like reenact or something. Like she nah, was actually doing. Nah, she was actually did the whole one hundred percent thing. Wow, like some actually pulled that joint out. So some actually like took the mic and put it down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Talking about something you don't normally do this. Yeah, you ever been? <laughs> <laughs> Heard that before. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those be the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> you right, you right, bro. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Them sounds in that microphone said yeah. that that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Damo, your highlights on the album. Um. Give me the loop, of course. Warning. I love warning. Yeah. I love the what with meth. I love the what with meth. And I didn't hear y'all say this, but how y'all miss who shot you? But that, that was like a remix that came out later, though. Yeah. I don't think it was like an official track. Yeah. So on your own. I mean, yeah. I mean it, 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 was, it was. I think he didn't want to put it on there because of the, what was going on back mm. then. But it was on there, on the jump. Yeah, well, it was it well, was a song re- the remastered on, on the remastered there. version. It was yeah. on there. Who shot you? Mm. And of course, everybody knows the controversy around that. Even though the song was recorded before the Tupac robbery shooting at at, uh, at Quad Studios, yeah, that was famously started the beef between Biggie and Tupac in the first place. Which mm. he said that song was made before that. It wasn't even that Pop. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta think about that. Plus, that plus the fact, like, um, the LL I shot you drink came out around the same yep. time. That didn't mm-hmm. help it. That didn't help matters any either. Right. So, like, I can but see why it'd be hard for Pac to believe that. You know? No, like of that. course, of course, absolutely. Yeah. But so everyday struggle too, because you know you can feel that you can feel the pain mm-hmm. and the struggle of life going on. What you be contemplating every when you going through it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love this album though. So, 
my highlights are, and this is one that I didn't hear anybody say. The very first track on the album, Things the Done Changed. Oh, you know? I thought, I thought you said that, Jay. No, no, no. I was like, um, give me the loop. Yeah, things, things Done Changed. And that, to me, you could hear how he literally talks about the difference, you know? And he's trying to talk tough, too. But the stupid motherfuckers want to try to use Kung Fu. Instead of a Mac-10, he tried slapping slugs in his back, and that's what the fuck happens. <laughs> <laughs> the wordplay on this is always very intricate. Give me the loot, of course. Like you say, the way the Biggie flipped his voice to literally think you had, we were talking right. to two different people on there. And there's the differences as far as, like, between the two personalities. Right, yeah, Biggie, you know? can I jack, I kick him in the back, back hit him with the gate. Sure, 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 sure. Let, let me, me do that. that. <laughs> 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 Your man's tripping, bro. Yeah. Like. Goodness gracious, the paper. Where, Where the, the cash at? <laughs> Where the cash at? Where the cash It was crazy how he did that. Um, Machine Gun Funk actually was what Biggie wanted to be the first single on that album track was dope um yeah. it is a dope track um it's uh, produced by easy moby but obviously diddy had a different view on what the first single needed to be and that had to be juicy and you know biggie wasn't rocking with it at the time but that's just the vision that diddy had and the wisdom that he had in order to be able to make this happen the song ready to die i think was great because you know respect of course is another one unbelievable with Primo, that was actually, from what I understand, the very last song that was recorded for the album. And Primo actually gave that to him as a $5,000 favor, that track. (laughs) Which seems a lot, I mean, considering how much hip-hop beats can go for it nowadays, $5,000, even in 1994, it's like, that's for real, that's it? It was a favor. And even then, I mean, Primo could have charged like way more than that, even in 94. Exactly. Fire. People people knew about Primo back then as far as what he was capable of. Mm -hmm. Still capable of. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, uh, goodness, man, just like, you know, even the the original One More Chance, which is the less popular version than the actual remix that was done um, and that everybody knows the famous video for, the radio version, mm-hmm. which is a classic to me as well. Um, the, the regular One More Chance with the skit in the beginning with his daughter on the, uh, on the answering machine oh, and yeah. all the <laughs> chicks calling him trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then that opening line to one more chance was was classic. It's how many times have you heard people use that when it comes to sex? Some similar to the thriller in Manila. <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, Jason, Biggie's a great storyteller, man. Mm-hmm. And he's also and it's not just necessarily uh, on this. You see it on this album and you see it also in Life After Death. The way that he sort of paints a picture of a an or of a situation. Me and my bitch does a great job of doing that. Um, Suicidal like Thoughts that, right? does a Definitely. great job of doing that. Um, Give me the loot is a story because it's a it's a conversation between two stick up boys trying to trying to come up on some paper. Right. You know, warning is a story because it tells you the story about somebody who's scheming a plot on Biggie. I mean, he to me, along with you can put Slick Rick up there, you can put Nas up there. There are many great storytellers in hip-hop. To me, I think he's in the top five of storytellers in hip-hop, and he continues that on his next album as well. Um, of course, the What With Method Man, um, just a really, really dope track produced by Easy Moby. Easy Moby's work on this might be some of the best work that a single producer has done on the album. I mean, the tracks he produced on this, Things Done Change, Machine Gun Funk, Warning, Ready to Die. He also produced the What. 
I mean, he d- he also produced Friend of Mine. I know you're not a fan of that, but <laughs> I think that was not more. I think that was more experimental more than anything else. And then, of course, Lord Finesse was a was yeah, a producer yeah, on shot that. Lord that, was prob- yeah. that was probably a Diddy call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Shaggy yeah. suit ass. Yeah, yeah. and then and then Tona Pope, Poke of the of Tona Pope, the Trackmasters, also produced Juicy, um, which he co-produced with Diddy. Um, this is just to me, man, and uh, listening to it when I had the tape, like I always remember, like the what was the end of that first side, mm-hmm. you know, you turn it over and then the first track was Juicy. This album was also sequenced, sequenced very well, too. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. You know, like we always talk about the one thing is about the tracks that you have, the quality of the tracks, the sequencing, though, plays into that. And I think this album was sequenced about as well as any album during that time period. So we'll go into the next part of it. If it's changed, your favorite song when you first listened to it, Ben, and what your favorite song is now, I'll start uh, with Damo. So what, if you had a favorite song first time, what was it then? And if it's changed, what is it now? Big Papa then. Mm-hmm. Kind of still like it. Big Papa still gives me like... But... Uh, That's old party joint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now it's definitely the what. Yeah. It's definitely the what now. Yeah. I could appreciate the what. As a, as a grown man, yeah. you appreciate the what. Yeah. So yeah, Jay, your f- your favorite song then and now has it? Ch- if it has changed, what was it then? What is it now? Back then, I mean, of course, you you include Big Papa and um and Juicy. As far as like my favorite song now, I'd have to say Respect because that Diana King said it. It just like knocks in my head. So especially like yeah. you know at thirteen I wasn't driving yet. So then yeah. like you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like, put it in the car like you, you fly nine ninety five and hear Diana King just like coming to kill that dream. Plus along with Biggie's lyrics, yeah. Even back then, I was liking Give Me the Loot and everything. I mean, it really hasn't changed my like, liking anymore now, even though I appreciate the creativity behind it. But, um, yeah, everyday struggle is, of course, as we get older and you start going through life things and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, certain songs like that, I mean, have they become more relatable to you as you get older. So, like, in every, everyday struggle is definitely one of those. Still, like, friend of mine, though. Won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, your uh, favorite song then versus now? Like I said, um... It was juicy. I love Joe. Juicy was dope. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the what? It's like I said, that's like every grown man's anthem. Don't ask me for shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, unbelievable, just because it's primo. You know, primo. Almost everything primo does is just incredible. And just him and Biggie together was just amazing. So mm-hmm. one of the very few times in hip hop and unbelievable that you take a sample of a voice from a song earlier on in the album. That Biggie Smalls, the Ellis came from that the what that line in the what that Biggie used. It was uh, it was great to me. My favorite song then probably, if I looking at it, I would have to say my favorite song was probably between Juicy and and Big Papa. Um, to me, my favorite song on this album now is is probably Everyday Struggle. Because I've heard this song, not just the original that was produced by the Blues Brothers, but I've also heard it remixed on a number of different mixtapes where people remix a song, a track over another instrumental. I've heard this over many different instrumentals and and many different uh, uh, productions. And every time that I hear it, it's great, no matter on what track that I hear. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was an album that someone put out, I got got it on Dat Piff, called Blue Eyes meets Bed-Stuy. It was Frank, Frank Sinatra and Frank White. So it was uh, using a lot of tracks that were originally per- appearing in some s- movies starring Frank Sinatra 
and then remixing them and making them tracks over a lot of classic Biggie tracks from both Ready to Die and Life After Death. And one of my favorite songs from that album is the remix that they did with the track with Everyday Struggle. Everything that I've heard about with Everyday Struggle, and then, of course, the message in it itself. And that sort of tells the story as well in the second in the second verse when he talks about his man Tex, you know, from <laughs> his man two Tex two Tex from Maryland, you know, what I'm saying that he talked to. And respect to Biggie, of course, man, being that where we from, man, Biggie did a lot, made a lot of his moves um, in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, in the D.M.V. area as we know it. So he had always had a lot of love from people down here because he made a lot of moves. A lot of the one of the very first uh, concerts he did was actually, I believe, also was at Howard Homecoming in 1993. Mm-hmm. Which was one of the biggest thing, first things he did party and bullshit from, you mm-hmm. know. So those are, like, I guess, that's the f- favorite then versus now. Songs that you slept on now that you appreciate more. I don't know if anybody had any one they want to throw out there. The Everyday struggle for me with that f- was that one for me, and then respect as well. Which is to to your point, Jay, being the fact that J- uh, Biggie was born to Jamaican parents in right. Brooklyn. Um, he listened to a lot of dance hall and reggae music when he grew up. And actually, when he wanted to work with Diana King, Diana King didn't know who Biggie was, you know. So <laughs> when she decided to come work with them, she was just doing it based off the fact that it was a it was a good opportunity to be able to get into the um, into the market. And um, that was a really, like you said, a hard hitting track. I got to say with this far as that whole Diana King thing, I mean, that was a, that was a smart move as far as like what yeah. Biggie doing. Because like, like if you remember back in like 94, it was all about Patra. So, like, for him to kind of go against the grain, because I think, like, a lot of people were featuring Patrick on things like that, like Romantic Call, and, mm-hmm. like, um, and even Patrick had her work event during, but, like, you know, she was, yeah. like, oh, like for him to go against the grain to get Diana King, I just thought it was a smart move on Biggie's it was part. A, it was a smart move. Biggie actually was also on that remix of Super, Super Cash, Dolly My Baby. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, which also has Mary J. Blige on it as well. So, I later found out about Biggie's parentage and the fact that he knew a lot of dancehall artists and was col- collabor- had plans on collaborating with a lot more of them. That was a good move to get Diana King on his record because it is, and Diana King herself, the, the hook that they took came from, I'm trying to remember the name of the song um, that they took that hook from. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I got to dig ba- deep back into my, <laughs> into my, uh, into my reggae archives. It'll come back to me, I'm sure, but um, I actually just heard it the other day. But, uh, quotable lyrics that we talk about this one. Everybody has at least a f- couple of quotable lyrics from here. I'll just go around the, the table if you have any that you want to point out, but I have a few. So, anybody else want to go as far as any quotable lyrics or quotable lines that you love from this? No? It's probably just like people have heard before, like mm-hmm. like with everything we're giving, we're give me with give me the loot as far as like, you know, just like I always say like Biggie went with Jacker, I kick it in the back, mm-hmm. like Chill, shorty. Let me do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like you know, it's like I just came home. I ain't trying to see Central Book. And like you know, what I'm saying, um, oh shit. Now you're looking in my face. You right. better hold that. Like with your fucking face. <laughs> and um, and then warning. I mean, because like I guess everyone was so used to the radio friendly joint. Like you know what I mean. Just mm-hmm. like as the song goes on, suppose the end of it gets like more and more aggressive. Like he's just like hyping himself up. Like I'm about to get these fools. Like mm-hmm. touch my chetta, feel my Beretta buck. When I'm hit you with you, motherfuckers, better duck. Like yeah. I mean, just like the way you said it, Jay, just like so matter of fact, even for like, you'd almost think, he, think he's about to go bust somebody after recording the song, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, all of Juicy, I mean. Yeah, it's like all of Juicy. Like a That's a, a whole, that whole song is a quotable. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, it I was is. about to say, yeah. 
to me, the first the first couple of verses were really, man, uh, Things Done Change Itself is another one of those songs. You know, remember back in the days when niggas had waves, jelly shades and corn braids? <laughs> <laughs> Machine Gun Funk, uh, you know, was another one. You know, So You Want to Be Hardcore, French Coffee Cats. Biggie, to me, when it comes to the first three or four, four, four bars of his songs is one of the best ones of being able to kick his songs off and be able to just hit you in the gut with them joints, man. So th- that was... Big Papa, of course, was a change up for me because it was a lot of the album is hardcore rap. Right. And then you come with this smooth, you know, thing for the ladies, you know, which is one thing that was a Diddy's influence. Like Diddy yeah. was like, all right, man, look, like Playboy, I know you want to have this whole joint be hardcore, but we got to have a couple of radio hits on here, you know? And the two. On Diddy's yeah, part, exactly. So. Yeah. so but th- there's a lot of hip hop quotables, man. You go on Genius and see a lot of the a lot of the lyrics and the explanation behind a lot of them, and it's a it's a shame that we don't have Biggie here to be able to tell the thinking around a lot of those. And some of those were like off the dome because Biggie wrote some of those, and sometimes he just went in the studio and he freestyled and be like, "All right, son, I got it." You know, like let's 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 go ahead and lay this down, right? Like on, you know? give me, like give me the loot, like yeah. This made me think about another one. Just like you just think about it, like big up, big up, it's a stick, stick up, up, stick, stick up, up, and a shoot niggas quick if you stick hit up. up. <laughs> 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 like, damn, bro. Indeed, man. Yeah, it's um, there are a lot. I like suicidal thoughts when he start off like he on, he, he going to hell. Right, yeah. <laughs> when I die, no, fuck yeah. it, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to fucking tell. Being with the goody goodies, ouch. I'm like, oh God, shit. God, will probably have me on some real strict shit. Yeah, and that was like it's, it was. My dick yeah, it's it was. It's jarring to see like how like he was like, I right, look, if I'm dying, I'm going to hell. I don't really care about all this other stuff. Wanting to go to heaven. And everything else, and just the way to be able to end that album, I think that was just like uh, it's like literally the tape ends, and it's just like, damn, did that just happen? Right, like his heartbeat <laughs> fading <laughs> yeah, out, yeah, like, yeah, heartbeat fading out, and everything. Diddy on the other line. I guess the the thing with this is that there were people that bought into this album that knew how great Biggie could be, and they took it and put the pieces together with this. It was a um, a group effort to make this come together. 25 years this has come out to go around the table and to close this up as far as how well it has stood the test of time. Debate over. I mean, I know. Look, this is a this is a certified classic. This is um, and what's crazy about this, right, is that this was a great debut album and is, is lauded as a certified classic. His next album just might top this one in some respects. That's a discussion I'd be willing to have as well uh, about the his his album after this one because you think about oh damn ready to die how in the hell do you top something like this and he's like all right watch this after <laughs> <Life after> death <laughs> but I guess what I could say is that if we could sort of close out the podcast in that respect how does it stack up with his his other album and to me t- there's only two true Biggie albums and that's that's this joint in Life After Death. I don't count Born Again because that's a, a bunch of unreleased Biggie material that people Pretty threw together. Yeah, basically a hodgepodge. Yeah, a hodgepodge, so. and that's not a Biggie album. To get Diddy you money. Know, it to, exactly, to get Diddy money. You know, <laughs> Even though there were some nice little tracks that came <laughs> out of there, including Notorious and, and um, Dead Wrong, and you know, but I mean, but that wasn't a Biggie. So if we could stack this up next to Life After Death. What are your thoughts in regards to this versus that one? <sighs> 
That's a tough one. You, you might have charged for this, bro. I might have to. <laughs> but just to just in a that, just in a just in a nutshell, Gee your whiz, your initial man. feelings of this versus that. What is the question here? Which one we think is better? No, not how necessarily how what you think is better. Stack up? But how does it stack up? I don't have to say one versus that one's better versus the other, but how does it stack up? Damn, dog. I think you say it's almost about equal, except, uh, you know, Ready to Die came out first. Yeah, I mean. You could say it's about equal. I mean, more money, more problems, hypnotize. And I'm. I'm not going to say it's quite equal, but it's right there. It's pound it, for it, pound, it, it's, right it's, there. It's it's close. As far as like, it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When you get fourteen, fifteen, and maybe what you say, one song you really fuck with on it, or, or I'm ready to die, right? That's so like, <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's a burner. Ready to die was more radio friendly. I mean, I'm sorry, life after death was more radio friendly as far as memorable, but dog, like that's like a. Yeah, but I, I think to me personally, Life After Death had the boost for him after he died. I think it was a little bit more polished because this was a lot more grimy. Mm. Yeah, definitely was a lot more grimy. Most albums in 94. Were grimy. Life After Death was a lot more polished. And it also sort of showed the maturation of Biggie as an artist mm-hmm. because it wasn't just a lot of the things that you heard here. He had had money. He had success. And what he did is create creatively took you on another on another level. Storytelling, I think, yeah. is went up. A, it went up another level. What I got a story to tell with um, somebody, somebody got, got to, to die. die. Um, niggas, you know, bleed. niggas bleed. Um, the long kiss, good night. I mean, it's a lot of different play. There's a lot of different things that he sort of that probably they polished that they came out with. And it's a shame. It's just like, damn man, if he had a chance, to put out a third album. Ten crack legit, commandments. Ten crack commandments. Yeah. Like. If he'd had a chance to actually legitimately put out a third album, man, like if he could have put everything together, like if he could, it's no telling, man, what this guy's what his legacy and his legacy cemented, no doubt. But to me, I think they 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 are about as even as two out al- two artists' albums could no ever so, be. No sophomore slump. No, no sophomore slump at all. I mean, the fact that it was a double album. You know, mm-hmm. the problem you do when you run in with double albums, you sometimes have a lot of filler. There's not a lot of filler on life after mm-hmm. death. Really, it really ain't. It None, really not. actually. If even if you want to count like um, player hater, which was just a which was just funny to me. So, but it's still <laughs> like yeah, right. Yeah, it still was rock. It was like mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So, so so that's I guess the the, the only time we'll tell the test of that after we're able to re- reveal after this has been reviewed and after we review life after death when that time comes. Definitely, this was a great start to one of the best hip hop best rappers, best lyricists of all time, the Notorious Bigs, Ready to Die. And of course, you can listen to it no matter where you find it. You can stream it everywhere. Um, it has been re-released and uh, remastered as well. So that's another way that you can check it out. There's a lot of things you should go and check out on the internet about this. Apple Music and then also, I believe, XXL have done two separate six-minute documentaries on this, and it has really great interviews from Lil C's, great interviews from Mr. C, from Easy Mo B, from Stretch, from Vibe. It was funny because one journalist, I forgot the guy's name, Chio Hadar, uh, Chio Coker as well, who wrote The um- Unbelievable, which was the biography of, of Notorious Big. Um, he also was one of the consultants and also writers for the actual Biggie biopic as well. To me, looking at this and this talk about the impact that someone had that that this had there was a guy during one of the documentaries uh, a journalist white guy 
who um, said he called somebody at Vibe and said, hey, man, I just heard one of the best five albums of all time. He was like, well, one of the best five hip-hop albums of all time? He said, no, one of the best five albums of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just how, how hard it hit a lot of people back then. So Notorious Big's Ready to Die. Stream it. Find it anywhere. I suggest anyone that if you love hip-hop and call yourself a hip-hop lover that you listen to that album, if you can procure a physical copy of it, that you do the same as well. Um, but please check it out. And, of course, it's one of our favorites. And, of course, that's going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host on Podbean, vaultcmr.podbean.com. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault CMR on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We also want to make sure that you rate it. If you love us, make sure you give us that good five-star rating. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend. And make sure you tell that friend to tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.